The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Well, hello. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Christy Skills, Aisha Morrison, Jess Navarre is here with you on this Tuesday. We're Tuesday or are we Wednesday, guys? We're Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. Had a little bit of a moment there. Uh, here at the beautiful, beautiful star in Frisco, where it is hot outside. Guys, it says it's 93. It does not feel like it's 93 outside. I don't know if you've been outside it's officially fall, allegedly. I don't I don't know. The yeah. only thing feeling fall-like is uh, that football season is here. Uh, but other than that, we are going to discuss, we left off yesterday, what the coordinators and head coach Mike McCarthy were going to say uh, post-loss to the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to break that down for one last day before we officially turn the page here on the podcast and we start looking into the Week 4 matchup against the Patriots. A lot to talk about. So let's start with the offense. Mm. Aisha. Yesterday, you had a fantastic question to Mike McCarthy, which went noted on Twitter, and I'm glad it did because it was very insightful, um, and it just shows you always have football smarts. So hello uh, to anybody that didn't notice that. Let's talk about that because you asked him specifically about the tight end group, and a big conversation this week is red zone lack of production and not capitalizing when you're in the red zone. When the Cowboys are in the red zone, they can't find the end zone, so how do the tight ends tie into that, Aisha? What have you noticed? You went back, you watched the film, and you have key points that can help this team excel in what they need to work on. What are they? So uh, my question was, you know, Coach, there's, you know, in the West Coast system, the vertical threat is important um, just because of how you're using so much of the intermediate and short field yardage to just move down the field. You're trying to, you know, control the clock, do all that good stuff. But, you know, having the vertical threat really to me it opens up so much of what you want to do because defenses right now they're playing you tight Mm -hmm. they're betting on the fact that you're going to do short passes and stuff so he mentioned the word you know he said they were playing shell defense and so I was like when you think of shell you think of two high safeties you know kind of soft coverage or whatever but in doing some digging and learning, like shell can mean a number of things. So he also went on to talk about quarters and say that they're playing quarters defense. And the the purpose of quarters defense is to take away deep shots. What happens is, is that you have two safeties that have a quarter of the field. I kind of think about it like a like a square. Like, you know, you know, like, you know, so you have they have a quarter of the defense, the safety does. And then they have their responsibility is they're deep. They have a deep zone responsibility. So and then the corners, the corners have the flat to the zone aerial and area. And then the linebackers cover like the curl flat area. So I the the purpose of that is to take away the middle of the field and so I've been looking at like why aren't we really attacking the middle of the field consistently with um with a lot of teams playing cover four which is 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 like it's only one person out there so my point was was 
you know, what schematically can you do to kind of beat that? And what are the things you can do to beat that? And you can get behind the linebackers, which we've seen. We saw it last week with C.D. Lamb with the, uh, the flant slap, which is you're just – letting him slip behind those linebackers that are kind of playing shallow. And, um, you know, he's going to make the the play. And that's also why you saw Michael Gallup be so effective this week with slants because it's there. But my concern, again, is the fact that defenses are playing you so tight and they're playing so close to the line of scrimmage and they're aggressive. They're biting on stuff and everything because they're betting on you not passing the ball deep. So that's something that I'm looking for them to establish to kind of get – these guys off their back and to you know to get some respect there and so I mean and again we thought that you know Brandon Cooks would be that guy we thought that that would be something that they can do so really curious to see how they scheme that up and how things open up there um Christy you got anything? yeah well because when you're talking about like using the tight ends I think that uh a lot of longtime cowboy fans they picture Jason Witten on that seam route right yeah you know, yes. down and on the seam but again, it's how they're playing mm-hmm. the coverage quarters and things. And so you, you don't want to force it. And so there's a thing. There's the old uh, tried but true. You know, you take what the defense gives you. Well, it's like, well, why are you taking what the defense gives you? You need to assert, you know, you, you be the dominant and, you know, you give it to them. Well, no. I mean, the coverage dictates where the ball is going to go period. Otherwise, you're forcing it in, and you don't want to do that. And the other thing where you're, you're talking about with the way that some of these defenses are playing and when the linebackers drop, yes, I think that a lot of times when, when we think um, that uh, you really have to have this um, precision passing and fitting the ball in there, you're thinking of a slant route or you're thinking of some out route, and the, the quarterback puts the ball right there because mm-hmm. there's a defensive back uh, mm-hmm. draped all over the guy. No, it's, oftentimes it's tough. It's putting it over the linebacker, but in front. And so those those are difficult throws, and you got to be just right because if you're a little short or if that, that linebacker doesn't bite on the play action, you know, the fake handoff and react and, and you know, just that quarter second of them, you know, delaying their drop mm-hmm. into coverage, it's it's all interconnected. And so you, you really – everybody has to play their part whether you're the running back acting like you're taking the handoff or you really got to sell that. So it goes to what we've been talking about and what the coaches and players have been talking about since early in the offseason, knowing your why, your purpose. purpose. Yes, what is I your am. what is your why yep. on this play? This play? Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I think in this game specifically, nobody knew what their why was. I, it, it it leaked all over the place, right? Nobody knew. Nobody knew how to once they were in that deficit how to how to bounce back quickly and that's okay because here's the thing I don't see that being an issue this week they're going to hone in on that red zone play this week at practice Mike McCarthy said that yesterday and I don't necessarily think they lost track of like their their whole why it was just look Arizona's defense was outsmarting them in a lot of ways and that's just kind of what it came down to as far as the red zone though I think this is an interesting topic because we talked about this throughout the summer We talked about this after Zeke was released of who is the big red zone guy for the Cowboys now because it was Zeke, right? And when Zeke was leading in red zone percentage, uh, scoring percentage for the Cowboys, he was second. He had the second most amount of touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in the NFL last year. That's a big loss, right? And so, yes, the Cowboys are getting to the red zone. And I think that 
can't be overlooked either. Is That's the hard part. Schottenheimer said that yesterday. Hardest part is getting there to the red zone. It's just continuing to get into the end zone that's the issue. Yeah, and I mean, another thing that you're seeing in the red zone um, is a, you have the three red zone penalties that were huge, but these, and that's that's a big part of it is that those penalties are putting them in unfavorable situations when they're in second and goal, but it's at the 15 or second or third and goal, and you're at the 10 or something. Like you're, they really, I'm really looking for them to get closer to the goal line, and I think that's going to open up your playbook a whole bunch. Schottenheimer talked about that as well. Um, the usage of the whole field, too, is something mm -hmm. that I've been looking at because when you talk about, again, when you start talking about them playing quarters and stuff, is that it takes away, you know, well, middle of the field opens. It takes away part of the field, but it's like the offense is taking it away on their own. And, and, and so also, too, so you look, there's opportunities to attack the left side of the field, but it's not there. But anyway, back into the, the red zone stuff. Getting backed up is hurting them. Um, and staying ahead of the sticks. You know, Brian Schottenheimer mentioned that. Well, he mentioned that as well. But I want to say that Arizona, you mentioned it, they were very disciplined. They they, they played very, really well. They were so this disciplined was their down Super Bowl. there. <laughs> Stop saying that they, about them. They poured Gatorade. That's fair. Come well, on. It was, his, it was his first victory as a head coach, that's so fair. that's well, why they did it. when you're playing the Dallas Cowboys, sure. if you want to make a statement that you're not ranked 32 among 32 NFL teams, this was the team to beat. That's fair. This, uh, It wouldn't have mattered, right? Because now they can go on. They can lose to the 49ers and be like, well, we already yeah. beat the Cowboys. You want, you want them to beat the 49ers because uh, if things go to form, a mm -hmm. lot of people think uh, if preseason predictions are correct, Cowboys, Eagles, and 49ers, a lot of it people think, are the that. tops of the, the NFC. But one other thing that Schottenheimer said about the red zone offense is that a big part of it is scrambles. Now, we did see uh, Dak on Sunday in uh, Arizona. He had the big play. That, that was not in the red zone, but it was third and 12, mm -hmm. and then he broke the pocket, and what a great play by him. Great effort and execution. I believe he got 14 yards on that to get a first down to continue that drive going down later. They did stall um, in the red zone, but uh, Schottenheimer mentioned that yesterday uh, as offensive coordinator during his press conference that yeah we got we got to remember mm. you know everyone hey that that's a big part of it and you know we say that Dak hasn't run as much as he did earlier in his career before he broke the ankle obviously but I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see you know have him maybe do some more keepers I was going to ask you do you feel like because even after the game Dak took accountability to say I need to use my legs more. I need, I need to be a, more, a little bit more mobile. Is that something you're gonna you expect to see out of Dak? Is to be a little more mobile, specifically in the red zone. Maybe not so much, you know, when when they're trying to drive up to it. Do you see him yeah. being a little more mobile? Or I don't. I don't think you do it for this. I don't think you do it for the sake of doing it. Mm. You're not gonna put your yeah. franchise guy. At, at risk like that. But um, but there are some perfect times. And, and again, it depends on matchups and what you're seeing from sure. the defense. But sometimes these quarterback draws or these designed keepers, you know, most of the time when the when the quarterbacks are, are running, unless you're Jalen Hurts, it's, you know, it's, it's because something is broken down. The defense is in a zone. They're not looking back. And so, you know, that's when you see them break down the field and get, um, get some yards and either out of bounds or, or slide for a first down so but I don't think you do it just to do it you know there's yeah. some RPO situations there though in this game that were designed where he there was a play where he um 
he actually gave the ball to Tony, but if mm-hmm. he hadn't have given it to Tony, he mm-hmm. was he might have had a bit of a collision at the goal line with mm-hmm. with the safety, but at the well, with the DB, but at the same time, he would have he probably would have scored a touchdown. I will say, I actually had in my notes about the scrambling portion of it. That's something that I've been noticing from the team. Um, I noticed a little bit last year, even so, is Dak is one of the best quarterbacks on the move, making something happen, mm-hmm. and I'm. It's something that I'm a little um, down about with 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 the receivers is like you got to know your quarterback and your quarterback is is a guy that again he can be rolling to his left he can be rolling to his right and he can throw it on a dime, so the scramble drills are something that I hope that they're working because there were plenty of times in this game where they were scrambling. And there was just no constant pursuit. I think Michael Gallup does a good job of that, where mm-hmm. he's can, he's still working, trying to work the sideline and stuff. But know your quarterback, know what he's capable of, and fight for him. Um, also, too, with the C.D. Lamb thing in the the red zone, I mm. they came with a blitz, um, and I think that that's kind of what threw off things. Because you remember yesterday, I I was under the impression that he was supposed to rub there and and maybe you know help out there. But it looks like there was a corner route there, and Dak just once that blitz came. It's, we talked about it, timing and how mm-hmm. quick they have to be down there. Mm-hmm. The minute that that blitz came, that play was gone. That play was gone. And so it's it's something that I'm – the spacing, too, was just kind of funky. They just – I don't know. They just were inefficient down there. But a lot of it, in fairness, give it to the Cardinals. They tried yep. to fool them a couple times with some things. Even with the RPO stuff, they were not buying it. And uh, this offensive line struggled blocking-wise once they got down there. They were very stout. And the DBs came down and tackled, and they were fa- and they were very physical for the Cardinals. So give them credit, but just a lot of errors down there. And um, yeah, there's no margin for error when you're down there. Yeah, like that Adoga penalty really yeah. was painful, but you can't shoot yourself in the foot when you're down there because the the space is so compressed. It's hard enough already. Right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a question posed for Dan Quinn yesterday in the press conference when I asked him about the penalties, but he made a really good point in saying, the you know, sometimes the penalties are drawn from them being aggressive, and right. he said, I can live with those ones. However, it's the pre-snap penalties, and I think that's fair to say for the offense, too, is Absolutely. when you're trying to push that aggression level and you're trying to make it dominant and protect your quarterback more than anything else sure those are penalties that I think we can all live with. It was just, again, the pre-snap penalties, which... Very uncharacteristic, considering last year that was something that they really worked on, especially with the cadence drills, and they zoned in on. So, if I'm being honest, I really don't think you see a penalty-heavy game like this for the Cowboys again. Well, you hope not. The the other thing is, when you have a different center in there, who, by the way, did not get to practice, he got a little bit towards the end of Thursday's practice, didn't get to take first-team reps. Tyler Biotis, the starting center, wasn't injured until Thursday's practice. So it's not like Brock Kaufman, who had to step in, elevated from the practice squad Saturday. I mean, he, they they knew by Thursday with Tyler getting hurt that it was likely that Hoffman would would have to play. Mm-hmm. But it's just different. So mm-hmm. that, that first uh, false start penalty that's called on Terrence Steele, that, that was just all all four line everybody yeah. moved except the ball and so <laughs> right. it was it was just that little bit of timing uh that that was off so i'm not putting it on brock hoffman no. at all i'm it's just saying true. that time on task right and in these injuries that have happened tyron smith not it being matters. injured with the knee until saturday yes. chuma adoga yeah. by the way with an elbow yeah. injury that he was nursing from the previous week so you know the it 
it's tough enough in the regular season to just get enough snaps for your first teamers. But when you have these moving parts and guys are getting moved around and and you just don't get to work together, an offensive line is the one that requires the most cohesion. So we haven't seen the group together yet. And I was yeah. glad that, he had, that Mike McCarthy, loved, and this is one thing I like about him as a coach, is he's not afraid to say, like, yeah, I could have I could have done that there. He admitted, you know, even the yeah. seven step drops, not you know, not really taking any chances with the deep ball. But um, yeah, this this I, re, I and that's why I'm trying to stay level headed about it because I know I know that people are just like you should be able to overcome everything, but losing three starting offensive linemen probably drastically changes yeah. your game plan and, and what and you do. I mean, before. Yeah. yeah, and say, say more, again, like in case you weren't with us yesterday on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, Mike McCarthy in his pregame interview with Brad Sham on Cowboys Radio says, I'm still going, I was still going through things mm-hmm. this morning, Sunday morning, and we're just a few hours from kickoff. Yeah. But I, I want, what Aisha, that little nugget that she dropped, and this was from McCarthy's press conference yesterday, not doing seven-step drops, what does that mean? Well, with a quarterback, you have either a three-step three step drop, a five-step drop, a seven-step drop, seven, uh, drop. Well, obviously it takes longer to go back seven steps than it does three or five, and that's generally the plays that are further down the field. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have young guys on the offensive line and, you know, you, you want to you, – you're not – a hundred percent sure about your press protection as if you had some of your veterans in there. That's one reason why they weren't going deep was they weren't doing some of the deeper drops and setting things up for, yeah. for longer. So there's a reason why were the tight ends not as involved. They're in to help pass protect and also help in the run game. And you saw it in the run game. The numbers were good yeah. in the run game. So there it, it's cause and effect, you know, and, yeah. and, and what you did against the giants and what you did against the jets, Sorry, that's off the table. It's a completely different matchup yeah. uh, against the Cardinals defense. Very good point and a good way to transition to our next segment. When we uh, come back from our next break, we're going to talk about the run game. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the running back situation, and then we'll transition into defense. So make sure to stay tuned. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We will be right back. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola a journey to Foodopia. Burgers, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation, so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are getting into the run game, a little bit of defense as well. But first, your Dallas Cowboys head to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers in Week 5 of the 2023 season. Come out to the Miller Lighthouse at AT AT&T Stadium on October 8th for a free watch party presented by 7-Eleven. Cheer on the boys alongside the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Rowdy while enjoying $5 Miller Lights, barbecue, game day fair, and more. Gates open at 6 o'clock p.m. and kickoff is at 7.20. For more information and to claim your free ticket free 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 ticket head to uh dallascowboys.com slash watch party go cowboys there we go thank was, you for the emphasis I was on really, that really really passionate about the whole free thing you guys know how i feel about that we synced it yeah you know um uh, something i'm really passionate about as well this run game. Oh, I'm wearing a shirt that, I was that says run the ball today. I don't know if you've noticed that. I didn't know what you was going to say. I mean, I could have said Taylor Swift, but I did not. I switched gears. I said the run game. You know, going into this game, um, my, what, I, what I like that Mike McCarthy dropped a few weeks ago was he said going into week five, week four, even you start to see the, the teams develop across the NFL. It's not just specific to the Dallas Cowboys. You can even leak into week six at that point. You're getting to that point now where the identities are starting to be formed with the teams, kind of what they're leaning a little more heavy on, if it's the run game, the pass game, that obviously is opened up by the run game. This team, in a new era, Tony Pollard era, backed by Rico Dowdle, and then you now have Deuce Vaughn entered the chat, Hunter Lipke entered the chat. This run game, very interesting. Something that was brought up, to Coach McCarthy yesterday was to preserve Tony Pollard for the rest of the season. How do you do that going into practice? Because he's taking a majority of these reps. How do you preserve him to ensure that by week 17, he's still just as effective as he is now going into week four? Mike said they're very aware of it. They know and that his practices will be adjusted to reflect preserving his body, which we appreciate. Ladies, let's go into this. Let's go into, let's start with how Rico Dowdle is filling in that second position, what we've seen from him so far, and how he can be more effective if given the opportunity to get a little bit more of the ball distribution. Well, he's always been a tough runner. The coaches have always loved Rico Dowdle. It's just the injuries that that caught him the first few years here in Dallas. And it was noted by Coach McCarthy yesterday about the tough running, not just Rico, but Tony, and even uh, Jake Ferguson slipping a couple of tackles, C.D. Lamb. Coach McCarthy said – he said 28 or 29. We'll go with 29 because it sounds better. Uh, uh, <laughs> broken tackles. So that was some tougher. And let me tell you, from field level, <laughs> these – and, hey, same thing goes for James Conner with the, the Cardinals offense. These were hard-earned yards, okay? Mm. There was some hitting going on. And so – but the ability uh, to take a one-yard run or a zero-yard run and yet still – Go past that first contact or even second contact, not all great runs go for 15, 20-plus yards. 
some of the better runs are ones where you get three or four off of something that should be zero or minus one. And it was some tough, tough, tough sledding. But um, Rico and, and Tony, I, I mean, if we had said, oh, you're going to have a, 180 rushing yards in the game for the Cowboys, you'd say, oh, yeah, sign me up for that every day. And But I was happy for Rico, just like we said yesterday, for him to get his first career touchdown. Ironically, it came on a pass instead of a run. But, yeah, he's, he's – uh, uh, showing his value to uh, the team this year. Yeah, I agree. I um, I like the usage of Rico Daddle to start. I, the screen game has been so effective um, to start the season, and I think that that's important. Rico Daddle's gotten after it with it. Um, Tony's gotten after it with it. Uh, Deuce Vaughn has gotten after it with it. But I really I have noticed that Rico does come in in that fourth quarter, and he's he's bruising. Like I'm sure that he's exhausting for some of those those defenders that have been dealing with kind of chasing Tony <laughs> and trying to deal with his speed. But um, I, I I like the one two punch right now. I will say that with Tony Pollard, I think he ran. We talked about it, he did. He ran effectively through mm-hmm. the tackles. He had some physical play. Miss would love to see some more receiver Tony and using him still as a, even though he is a running back and he's your number one running back, it would be nice to see him um, do some of that will route stuff that we've seen him do, come Mm -hmm. out the backfield as a passer because that's also going to help with what we were just talking about with these DBs playing up so close and and, and how they're acting. This is going to, that can open up some things too also for you in the passing game. So I was looking at that like, Love how they've been using Tony. It's been effective. He's been effective. Rico's been effective. Um, it's just, again, when you get in that red area, things get a lot tighter, and then you're having the penalties as well. So um, loved how they used Hunter Lipke this week, yes. too. Yep. He's yeah. doing some lead blocking stuff, and he's he's becoming far more and more effective every week as a as a blocker, and them using him as a fullback got him in some passing situations. Yeah. So the usage of the running backs, all in all, to answer your question, I think has been um, creative. It's been, and it seems balanced right now, besides the fact, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Rico. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think anybody would. Well, with the usage, because just to your point, what you were saying about how, you know, how much Tony has gotten the ball these past couple weeks, he ended up with 26 touches on Sunday, if you combine the rushing and receiving, and that's 32 the week before. That's a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for a guy who, in his career, you know, shared the the load with uh, Zeke coming into this year. And so I think it's going to be interesting because even when we were talking about linemen and giving these young linemen more practice time during the, the week, I, I, I think that, that Tony's going to be pulled back. I think some of these practices, these Wednesday yep. and some of these Thursday practices, just to kind of make sure that, you know, they, that's why they have those trackers, the GPS mm-hmm. stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if the threshold is maybe down a little bit because you don't yeah. want to use Tony up. We're only three games in. Yeah, and you need him. You yeah. need him all yeah. season. Yeah, and, and, and that's why it's so great that, that Rico is, is showing his value. I'm so excited for Rico. I've Oh, man. He's a, he's a good dude. He's a good human. So good excited dude. for Rico. Dad, he's somebody, nice family. Oh, he's so, he's so great, and he's such a quiet guy, but... His explosiveness speaks for itself. I mean, I started talking to Rico more this offseason after, I want to say it was OTAs. I saw him, and I was like, oh, wow. I just We hadn't seen Rico in so long, and that was my first time seeing him in person, um, you know, at a practice capacity like that. And he just instantly stood out to me, minicamp OTAs. So I went, and I introduced myself, and I talked to him, and 
I just told him, you look really good, you know, and he, you know, started talking to me a little bit more and more every week because he uh, doesn't open up right away. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like, kind of a quiet he's guy. He's kind of closed off. And he was on IR last yeah. year, so people aren't, you know, they're yeah. not bothering he him was, for his time. He was a little know? weirded out. He's like, why is she talking to me? And <laughs> so we started talking more and more, and then um, there was an event here in Dallas called SportsCon, and he appeared there, and he was doing um, he was doing pictures, autographs with fans, and then he did some stuff on Media Row, and that's when I caught up with him. I was walking around with him. I was talking to him, and... Um, that was really when we clicked because he had told me how he spent his, his weeks off, his six weeks off. It was after a rookie mini camp OTAs, um, that, that part of the season. And then he told me he went on a cruise, uh, with his family and he said, I didn't realize I was afraid of water until that cruise. <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of the wrong time to figure that out, man. Um, so ever since then, I, I go check on him in the locker room, see how he's doing, see how he's feeling. And it was funny because, uh, I want to say it was after the Giants game, I told him, when's your touchdown coming? He said, hopefully soon. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be waiting for it. I'll be right here to talk to you when it happens. So then the following week, told him the same thing. And so this week, I'm very excited to go in the locker room and be like, look, I'm not saying I predicted this. <laughs> um, but he's he is such a hard worker. I, I, he's, he was overlooked for so long for how hard he works. Yes, injury has overshadowed his productivity during his time here. But he's doing everything in his power to stay healthy. And and he has talked about that with me multiple times. He's changed how he eats. He changes how he uh, handles post-workouts and post-practice and how he's taking care of his body. So oh, that is my Rico soapbox uh, for the day. Um, but Christy, I wanted to talk to you about something because looking back at the play log or the playlist from yesterday, or oh my goodness, from Sunday, and there's 4.58 left in the game. This is Cowboys, the Cowboys offense, last drive, essentially, last chance to uh, get the points on the board. There was, uh, let's see, one run, Tony Pollard up the middle for five yards. No huddle, by the way, and then they go no huddle again, Tony Tony Pollard up the middle for six yards. And then you're on the Arizona five at this point, shotgun, Tony Pollard up the middle, um, negative two yards. And then again, Tony Pollard left tackle. Uh, tackled by Arizona for one yard. At that point, you're on the Arizona six, and then the interception happens in the end zone as uh, Dak tries to make a pass to Brandon Cooks. What do you think of the play calling there to run the ball with four (laughs) minutes left in potentially what you know could be your last shot? I think everyone from the sideline up in the Cowboys radio booth, everybody watching on TV, all the Cowboy fans at State Farm Stadium, why are you running the ball? The clock is running. Well, Mike McCarthy, when asked about it yesterday, he admits I should have been more aggressive there. So, you know, hey, he felt like with the timeouts that he had that they'd be able to get the ball in and then still have time to, you know, get done what they need to do. But uh, in hindsight, Mike agrees, you know, should have been more aggressive. Should they have thrown on the second down or the third down play? Well, of course, everything's. And is 2020 in hindsight, but coaches don't always admit that. But but Mike Mike did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he was running the ball because they was giving him. It, 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 it goes back it to, to what you. we said. They're giving it to you. They're you know, it to you. And yeah. and honestly, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of it too, but they had time. Mm-hmm. There was time. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. not a wrong answer when they made the pa- when they made answer. the pass to the to the end zone. 
at that point, they did have enough time if they wanted to go for two or whatever, if they had scored. So Yeah, at that point, there was three or 305 left when the pass was made. So I wasn't, personally, I wasn't mad. I wasn't super upset about it. And especially given just how aggressive their DBs have been playing and biting on everything and yeah. stuff. I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. I mean, uh, you got to go fast, but it makes sense. <laughs> but but yeah. it wasn't, I mean, yeah, we can be critical of it. Yeah, like you would have wanted him to pass there or whatever. I just, I don't want them to be scared. I also feel like, Yeah, But I also feel like in a normal situation to where maybe if the defense was playing, like, you know they're capable of playing, like they played the first two games of the season, this obviously not their best showing. Hmm. You don't want Arizona to have the ball for a long period of time, too, at that point, knowing kind of where things were with the defense yeah. throughout the rest of the game. So I can understand it from that perspective of you run the ball to kind of kill time because you don't want the Cardinals to have the ball back. No, it, it was a two-possession game, so you needed to score as, you know, I hopefully mean, as quickly as you can. If but, it, the thing but, about it, though, it's one of those things, if it worked, it would have been great. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. We wouldn't be talking about it if it worked. Yeah. Ernie, um, Ernie Zampezi, the great play caller, for <laughs> one of the greatest in NFL history and spent time in the 90s, you know, winning Super Bowls as the coordinator for the Cowboys. And Ernie always says, you know how you do, define a good play call? It works. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Period. Well, let's take our next break. When we talk back, we're gonna. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, the Cowboys' defense a little bit before we officially turn the page from this loss and move on to all things Week Four. Stay tuned. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be right back. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home, but to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to our final segment of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Dallas Cowboys football? Well, tell us about it. Tell us how you spice up the game for a chance to be named the 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year, presented by Captain Morgan, and win exclusive prizes plus a trip to Super Bowl 58. Nominate yourself or another today at DallasCowboys.com slash fan of the year. Okay, 
Let's talk a little bit of defense before uh, we officially close the books on this loss that I think everybody is ready to just kind of turn the page on uh, this week. Aisha, hmm. you went back. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love you. You went back. You watched things. Biggest takeaway uh, from the Cowboys' defense. Obviously, run defense, we know. We've talked about that. We understand that that was an issue. But, again, a very unca- uncharacteristic game, and I think that is the word that describes it the best by them. What What did you get out of it? They just, they just got to play sound football. Like, it sounds really simple, but th- there were just so many guys, like, doing other people's jobs and not filling gaps. Like, they didn't tackle super well. And um, I just think, uh, like I said, J. Ron Kirst said it last – he said it uh, in his post-game interview. He said their will was stronger than ours. And in a lot of instances, it was like that. They were not the more physical team on that side of the ball and that – they, it just never came to fruition for them. I will say that in the second half, there were, it did seem like there were some adjustments made. They came out there, they got the stop at first of the third quarter. Then Kavante Turpin has that big return, and it gets called back. But they, I mean, I think Arizona scored on that big play, and that was it for them in that in that half. So they buckled down and they played better ball. But there were times that they, there were times that they did play straight up and. They looked like the better team, but it just was, I don't know, man. It was just, it was, it was weird. You had guys like J. Ron Curse, like getting turned around and, and it's just, yeah. I, it just never felt like they, they, it just never felt like they were, they were mentally in it. And I just never, I don't know if I've ever seen them play um, that undisciplined in that way yeah. as far as their assignments. So I think they'll pick it up, turn around. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I think they'll pick it up. Oh yeah, I think After they'll pick it Dan up. Quinn, oh yeah, yeah. Dan Quinn used his <laughs> verbiage yesterday. Really spoke to. I know me and Jess. He said it hurt him. Yeah, you know just yeah. how things came to fruition. And but I do want to say that I, I do believe, and it just is what it is. And I know that everyone's like next man up. Dan Quinn alluded to this and everything. I do think that emotionally, they were that th- there was a rough emotional week for these guys, especially at the end of the week. So we'll see give them some time, let them, let them regroup and go out there and play, you know, play their ball, play the play ball the way they're supposed to. Cause this, this wasn't, this wasn't it. Yeah. And I love what Dan Quinn said, and it goes to what you said, this wasn't characteristic of the Cowboys. And like you say, that's what really hurt him. He, he said, what really hit me like five fingers across the face was you guys didn't look like your defense, right? They weren't playing fast. They, um, you know, and, and he also noted, we'll grow from this. I have no doubt at all. But he said it was misfitting. They they weren't in their fits, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the, before you can make that, you got to be in the right place. Yes, ma'am. You got you to be in the gap, right? You got to handle the backside. If they, and so if you're not, alignment assignment, if, if you're not, if you're not in your fits, then not only are you not going to make the play, but they're going to they're going to get through and, and into the, you know, uh, second part and, and then through your uh, defensive backfield. Yes, so, um, yeah. And he also said what really hurt us was the five big runs that he says mm-hmm. uh, the explosives in the first half. They weren't due to physicality. They were due to job assignments, yes. not in your fit, not 
in the gap, right? Not doing uh, your job. And the, the one other thing I, I want to say is because on that one long pass play to Wilson, I believe it was, yes, and we saw Malik Hooker chasing yep. and stuff. And, and so Wilson was on like in the left slot, gets the release. No one carries him. He ends up getting uh, making the catch across the field left to right. And uh, Malik Hooker chases him down and saves the touchdown. But huge play. And he said that that was not Hooker. It was good for Malik Hooker just to even catch him to make the the um, tackle to, to save the touchdown. But just because it's the guy that's chasing to make it doesn't mean that that was his guy. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So he, you know, he's not going to call out what specifically happened on the play. But I know a lot of us assume, oh, Malik. No, that wasn't even his guy. I yeah. also liked yeah, the, yeah, it was a lack of communication. You You're man. exactly right. And I also liked that um, Dan was quick to mention that the Cowboys only missed six tackles during mm-hmm. this game. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a bad tackling game. It just wasn't their best game if, if you're for not a lot in, of reasons. If you're not in your fit to make the tackle. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't yeah. make, you can't this, make yeah. the tackle. This defensive line. This defensive line. You know, square your, square your feet. Play your assignment, guys. You know, play for your brother because there was a lot of uh, – it was a lot of guys. They talked about it last year, you know, earning the earning the opportunity to, to rush the passer. And to and so I, I really did think that a lot of guys were getting upfield. They were really – I mean, even the nose tackles, even like the DTs were just so fast off the ball, just looking for them to be a little bit more patient and um, – and yeah, and uh, yes, we, ma'am. We, we had Oso Diggy Zoo on last night yeah. on the Cowboys Hour, the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, and you know he was, he was straight up with he what, was honest. I, yeah, 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 absolutely. But and we were, you know, we shared some of the things that because it was right after Dan Quinn's um, post uh, press conference Monday afternoon press conference, and so a lot of the things that he told the media are basically the same things that he's, you know, the the players they all know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Osa said basically the same things. Hey, we're going to grow from this. We make the corrections, and you can't get too high or too low. You know, a lot of them are just kind of the same maxims and truisms that you hear <laughs> week to week. But, but no, I mean, they, you're right. They take it to heart. It, it's personal. It's personal Cause they for these love, guys yeah. when they, mm-hmm. yeah. Because they love them some Dan Quinn. They play for him. Yeah. And to hear and him And for say, each other. Yes, yep. ma'am. And for them to say... To know he was that disappointed in their performance, I think it makes a huge difference. I, and I that's also, why I'm going ahead. I, I also think, though, he wasn't just disappointed in their performance. He was disappointed in his performance as a coach as well. Tracking. Because he yeah. also took accountability yeah. for his part in, in the loss. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that I appreciate about Dan Quinn is he's not sitting there saying, it was all your fault, Osa. No. It was all your fault, Dono. He's not pointing fingers. He's not throwing anybody under the bus. He First thing he said was, I take accountability for what I did wrong as a coach and setting my guys up to not be, you know, prepared enough. And and that went across the board yesterday. If anything, bless you. You all right? I'm we sorry, okay? Y'all. I, I tried to get to the button, Jazzy. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, if anything that you can take away from yesterday's coordinator and um, 
coordinator press conferences and then Mike McCarthy's, they all took accountability. There yeah. was not one that didn't take accountability for yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I love I love what John Fossil Bless said. Uh, John Fossil, the special teams coordinator. <laughs> scared me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> who, 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 who put the little uh, Yorkie in the, in the y'all? The come on, here. man. Come so, on. So in regards to the 62-yard field goal that Matt Prater hit, at which I'm, I mean, insane. When you have to kick the ball that far, it's going to be a very low Hello? trajectory. I can tell you, I've in 25 years on the sideline, I've never seen one that low. It looked like it, I don't think it ever got like 18 to 20 feet <laughs> off the ground. Seriously, yeah. the the crossbar's 10 feet up. Mm-hmm. All right, and that ball was barely. It, it, it didn't have much arc uh, arc to it. Right, mm. it was it was pretty much a line drive, but. Here's the thing. When field goal kickers have to do longer attempts, then it has to be more line drive. They have to get more strength behind it. It's not going to be some high arcing kick. Well, that's when that's when it's ripe for blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So get your hands up. And so one of the things that John Fossil said was he wished that he had done a different call on that. He says, I, I could have made a call where I had one more hand mm-hmm. up there, and I wish I had I had made that call. Now, w- would it have resulted in a block? We'll, we'll never know. But um, I love that Bones speaks to the media, you know, we, that we yeah. get to hear special teams as well as offense and defense. And he's the most honest, you know, oh, yeah. free-flowing guy out there. He's so much fun to, to listen to. But when you talk about accountability, it's like, man, I wish I just I wish I had that callback. What what if I would have done this? Yeah, and now that everyone has taken accountability, yeah, apply it. Let's see apply you adjust. Apply it. I see you adjust. I mean, yeah. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed you know hearing them own up to some of the mistakes. It's it's always rewarding for someone like me, especially that because I'm still learning to to go in there and be able to speak to them and they reassure me in a way that what I'm seeing on film is correct. I think that's it's one of the most valuable things I, I get from this. And um, I I'm like okay. Okay, boss, like you, you told me that this is something that you want to work on and that is fixed. And that's the good thing. Like we talked about, though, is a lot of, a lot of the, the things that we saw rear their head this week are fixable things. Yeah. They are things that can be corrected. They're not guys just getting – your guys are not just getting beat out there. And so we'll definitely get to see, you know, how this defense adjusts. And then how this offense um, adjusts as well, and even special teams. <laughs> hey, I, I got something to share with the the viewers and yeah, listeners yeah. who, if, if you love if you love to learn about football and break things down, Bill Belichick, obviously the Patriots come into town, and Bill is notorious for not giving anything to media. That would be just be the worst to have <laughs> to cover no. that team. But he, he does he does Swift. do it. <laughs> he, he he's he supports. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say who was at AT&T Stadium back in the spring to see Taylor Swift. Mm-mm. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, so, Bill? I didn't say that. He was also oh, – see, he saw multiple shows. He's a, uh, he's a Swifty. So, he's a so Swifty. here's the thing. But one thing that he does do, and if, you, if you're a football junkie, you'll enjoy this. And even if you're not a junkie, but you just want to learn a little bit, on the New England Patriots site, you go to video – Multimedia, just like when you go to DallasCowboys.com, but it's called Belichick Breakdown. And so his coaches show that he does each week. It's him and a, a host, 
and it's Bill at a teleprompter, and they'll be, I'm sorry, not a teleprompter, a telestrator, <laughs> and uh, he, he'll he do about five or six plays from the previous game. So Bel- Belichick breakdown, you'll find it on the video. On, I've already watched the one from their win over the Jets, 15 to 10. They, they're one and two now on the season, but it's really it's really cool. And he doesn't go into a lot of coach speak, but here's one of the greatest football yeah. coaches of all time, and he's breaking down plays. And so oh, you, you never Definitely know when you can pick up a little, a little nugget. nugget. Yeah. Well, I love that. Thank you, Christy, for that. Uh, you know what? We are officially turning the page here on yes, Girls Soft Boys yes, Talk. Please. The Cardinals, who, who are they? We don't know. Um, don't know. You know oh, the you ones know? with the win over the Cowboys? No, we, we don't know them. We we, don't the know ones them. that we want to beat the 49ers this weekend. That's how we know them, and that's it. That's the only affiliation we have with them uh, from here on out until the next time they have to play them. Other than that, we're going to turn the page here on the podcast starting tomorrow. We're going to talk about all things Cowboys, Patriots, Week 4. Mm. Talking about a little bit of a homecoming for two guys that you may or may not remember. Uh, Will Greer and Ezekiel Elliott. We're going to talk about some nuggets we got from the coordinators and coaches from that. We will give you the latest injury report and practice report. You know the drill. Wednesday yeah. Girls Talk, Boys Talk, we got you covered. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, ladies, for talking ball with us every day. Love doing it. Thank you guys again. Go have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Have a fantastic, amazing, incredible day. Goodbye. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?